You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. I just have a few thoughts for you before I get into my message. You know, I've just been meditating on some things. I know some things that I've been thinking about the last few weeks. You know, um, uh, now, the elders and I spent, uh, you know, about an hour just praying over the church Sunday and over people. You know, the, the, there's kind of an ugly spirit kind of going around, just kind of discouraging people. Um, you know, people just kind of losing hope. And I could just tell there's just a big, there's a spirit of discouragement. I can just sense it. It's, it's trying to get on me. It's trying to get on everybody that I know. And, and just, you know, in our city. And, you know, I know there's, there's, uh, there's just a lot happening that's negative, you know, around us. But I just want to encourage you, you know. The Bible says God is the God of all hope. He's the God of all hope. I'm going to start a series in a few weeks called Hope Against Hope. And I'm going to talk about Abraham, and that's where we're going to start, that, you know, he hoped against all hope. You know, when, when you face what looks like hopeless situations, and I can take you through the whole Bible. I'm not going to do that tonight. But, uh, man, I can just take you through story after story after story, thing after thing after thing. That's when God does his best work. When it's hard. When it's just hard. You know, we grow more, if we'll allow it, we'll grow more when things are hard than when things are easy. You know, I heard someone talk about a teacher. Um, They asked their child, her pastor asked his child something about who his favorite teacher was, and he said, uh, I got two, and they, but I don't know which one you want me to talk about. He said, what? Which, what are you talking about? He said, do you want me to talk about the teacher I had the most fun with or the one I learned the most with? Because they were two different teachers. Because the one I learned the most fr- with, from was not fun but hard. Listen, when we're going through seasons when it's really good, I mean, that's fun, Right? But where we really learn and where we really grow is when it's hard. And what it should cause us as Christians to do, what it causes me always to do, is to just, I pray more than, I I mean, I pray more, I seek more, I pursue God more, because when you get into hard situations, what you're saying is, this is too hard for me. I need you. I need you. And when God said that what is impossible for man is possible for me was in a situation that was hard and looked impossible. It was hard and looked impossible. But God. And so I just want to kind of change your paradigm a little bit, your thinking, that it's hard and it's difficult, and what's going on might be hard and difficult, 
and what's going on around you might be dark and hard and maybe look hopeless, but if you'll look to God, that's when, that's when he's doing, he's working. He's working on you. He wants to grow you. He wants to make you tougher. He he wants to make you stronger spiritually, mentally, physically. He's going to, he's growing you and he's digging deeper roots down inside of you. He's digging deeper roots. If you'll let him. So don't let these hard times discourage you because God is going to do some great things in these hard times. Watch what he does. Because when it's impossible for us, it's possible for him. That's when he's going to move. And let him build those deep roots in you. Let him strengthen you. Let him encourage you. Let him build you up so that you're stronger. You know, I never uh, got in football shape by uh, not doing any hard work. You know, I don't mean this to be crude or anything, but, you know, I was in the world when I was younger, and, man, I usually showed up about 10 pounds overweight because I had a beer belly all, you know, I drank beer all summer. And that didn't do anything for me. But when I got in football practice and uh, had to work hard and do two-a-days and 102 heat and run, oh, man, I got in shape. I I got harder. My body did. My mind did. My mind did. And I remember uh, uh, one football coach I had, one day he got mad at us, and he made us piggyback each other 100 yards in full gear until we literally could not go another step. We all, I mean, this is back in the days where no one sued anybody. Coaches would sp- grab us, throw us around, punch us upside the head, kick you. Kick you. I had an opposing coach one time. I tackled a kid on the sideline. I got up to run back. He kicked me right in the butt. said, quit tackling him like that. I'm like, what are you? <laughs> I looked at him like, what, what are you doing? Thank God my coach saw from the other side. He came marching across the field. and almost ended up in a fist fight right during the game. But, uh, but you know, things like that happen. And, men, guys, they just worked us, and, and we were tougher for it. We're mentally tougher, physically tougher. Listen, just because it's hard doesn't mean it's impossible, and it doesn't mean that it's over. It could be just beginning. Not the hard, but getting past it, getting stronger, overcoming it. Ah, don't quit. Don't quit on God. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. I have a lot more I'll say about that when we get to that series, but I just want to encourage you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says this, let your joy be, be your continual feast. There's two things I want to point out right here. Let your joy be, a, be your continual feast. You know, you might wonder, why is the joy of the Lord our strength? Why is the, the Bible says the joy of the Lord, Nehemiah, is our strength. Why is the joy of the Lord our strength? Well, I think about three stories that Jesus told in Luke. In, in Luke 15, it tells three stories that he told, one about a coin that was lost, one about a sheep that was lost, and one about a son that was lost. And they all rejoiced when they were found. I mean, they rejoiced. And he re- references that to heaven, that when one comes to the knowledge of Jesus, man, all heaven rejoices. When one who knew God walks away and comes back, all heaven rejoices. That's only two times heaven rejoices. And he's saying to us, when he says the joy of the Lord is our strength, he's saying, listen, the joy of knowing that we were once lost, but now we're found, should be our strength. 
That should be the strength of our life. So what's the strength part? It's his grace. It's his unmerited favor. It's his gift of salvation and forgiveness and that he's the Lord and he said he'll never leave you or forsake you. He'll give you favor where there was no favor. He'll bless you when there was no blessing. He'll deliver you. He'll help you in times of trouble. That's his grace. That's the strength we have because we have a joy of knowing that we are right with God. We're not lost coins, lost sheep, or lost sons and daughters. We're found in Jesus' name. And he wants us to continually feast on that. Just continually feed on the fact that, man, when this life is over, no matter how hard it is, no matter how great it is, we get to go to a place called heaven that's even greater. And the heart is over. He said, he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. This is the work. This is the hardest it's ever going to be. I said, this is the hardest it's ever going to be. It just gets better from here. So hang on to that joy of just knowing that you're right with God. Then he says this, make your life a prayer. Make your life a prayer. Make your life a prayer. Otherwise, pray continually. You know, there's just power in prayer. I heard an old pastor talk one time, and he said, he said, man, it just seemed like when I was younger, I had a greater anointing on my life. That when I ministered, there was just a greater presence of God. And, and some younger guy asked him, he said, why do you think that, that it's changed since you've gotten older? Just age? He said, no, it's not age. It's because I used to have all these friends that would pray for me. Now they've all passed, and I don't have, I don't have that prayer. I don't have someone praying for me, backing me up. I don't have all these people that were praying for me. They're all past. They've gone to heaven, man. And so I don't have that prayer power behind me. Guys, we need to let, we need to let the joy of the Lord, we need to continually feast on the joy that we're saved. This is the hardest it's ever going to be. Right here is the hardest it's ever going to be. It just gets better from here. And then we need to pray, pray, pray for each other. I've often said that the greatest curse on anybody's life, I believe it, is that they don't have anybody praying for them. You know, when I drive by homeless people and people on the street, I, I, I pray every time. You know why? Because I wonder, is anybody praying for them? You know, I just wonder, you know, has, has everybody quit on them? And I pray, I say, Father, if you want me to stop, I'll stop. Most of the time he tells me, keep driving. But I'll say, well, then, Father, I pray you send laborers across their path they'll listen to. I pray that you intervene in their life because if no one else is praying for them, I'm praying for them. And if they do have a mama, if they do have a dad that, that has to see their child living in this manner and living on the street, I know how heartbreaking that must be. So I join my faith with their faith and believe that their son or their daughter will come home and get their life right. Listen, that's the prayer we all need. There's so much power in that. How many of you can actually stand here and say, or sit here and say, that the power of a praying mom or dad is the reason you're where you're at right now? Look, look around the room. Look around the room. And, and for those of you who didn't raise your hand, I'm telling you, someone was praying for you too. I'll tell you why I know that. How do you know that? I, I know how. I know, I know exactly 
Who was praying for you? I was praying for you, and the people in this room have been praying for you. If you are lost in this city, we, I pray over you every single, there's not a, seven days a week, I pray over the lost of our city. I pray over the lost loved ones of every one of our church family, and I pray over every one of our church family. Now, do I pray over you by name? I, I, I'd be, I couldn't get any sleep if I was doing that. I, the names God brings up to me, I pray for specifically, but then I just pray. He knows every one of you, but I pray for you daily. And I spent at least an hour praying for you today that you wouldn't get discouraged, that you'd grow stronger in hard times, not weaker. And I pray over your health. I pray over your families. I pray over the loss. Guys, and I know many of you pray for me and my family. Guys, in that prayer is such power. That's why God said, I want you to make a life of, being, of praying. Man, you should be praying always, praying continually. Praying continually for one another. Paul constantly admonishes the churches, keep praying for one another. He says, he says to them, pray for me, pray for my ministry as we pray for you. He said, we pray for you day and night. He said, and I thank you, you pray for me. Guys, that's, we should be praying for one another. Again, you don't have to call everybody by name. Say, Father, I thank you for, the, for my brothers and sisters at Church on the Move. That, Father, you're ministering. That well, I, I agree with their prayers right now in Jesus' name. I stand in agreement with them. Father, they're, if they're praying out your word, then I stand on that word with them. If they're praying for their kids, I'm praying for their kids. If they're praying over their finances, I'm praying for their finances. If they're praying over their health, I'm standing that they're healed in Jesus' name. Father, if they're praying over their relationships, I pray that you, that you bring back and rebuild the relationships they need to have. Father, if they're praying for anything, if they're praying over heartache or heart, Father, I pray you heal their broken hearts and put them back together. Father, if they're thinking about quitting, I pray they do not quit. They do not give up. I pray you encourage them today. Send them a word of encouragement in the name of Jesus. That's how we pray for one another. Man, and he said this, in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus, to live uh, in the joy of the Lord, feasting on the joy of knowing that you're right with God, praying, praying always, and then always giving thanks. Those three things, he says, is the perfect plan for us. That's God's perfect plan for us to do those three things. And I want to encourage you, man, if you haven't been doing it, start tonight. Start saying, God, I thank you for the, the joy of knowing you and knowing that you know me and that I'm going to heaven. Man, if this is the, bad, the worst it's going to be, woo, this has been, this has been all right, God. Hadn't been perfect, but it's been all right. But I know it's just going to get better from here. And I'm going to pray for my family and pray for my church family and pray for my brothers and sisters. Oh, I'm going to pray for the lost of this valley. Because there's many people sitting in this church right now that are saved because of mine and your prayers. Because they didn't have a praying mama or a praying dad, but they had us. They have us. And we have each other. Pray for each other. Amen. Thank God for all the good things in your life. Okay, uh, now let's get to the message. Let's get to the message. That's the hors d'oeuvres. Let's get to the meat. 
Uh, we've been talking about what warriors do versus what the world does. And we, the first one we talked about is the world thinks me first. Christian warriors think kingdom first. The second one we talked about is the world thinks struggle. Christian warriors think war. We talked about the two types of war. The first war is you got to win is inside here. If you can't lead yourself, you'll never lead anybody else. If you can't conquer yourself, you'll never conquer anything else. The first battle we always have to fight is the one that's in our own lives. And it's, it starts in our heart. And when we receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of our life, we win the heart issue. We've won the hard battle right there because he sends his Holy Spirit to build our character. And then if you go on as a Christian, get baptized in the Holy Spirit, he'll prepare you for service like you've never, ever dreamed of. Oh, man, he'll take you to, that's the two purposes of the Holy Spirit. One, one comes in your life when you receive Jesus as Lord, the Holy Spirit, man, he, he starts building your character and building you up, helping you win this, this battle within. Paul said, man, I, there's a battle that rages within me. We all have it. The battle between our flesh and our spirit, what is right and what is wrong. Uh, the battle to choose me first or God first, that's, that's the battle. And then when we renew our minds, man, with the Word of God and get in agreement with the Spirit of God that lives in our hearts, man, now we're outvoting our flesh. You know, you're a three-part being, your body, soul, which is your mind, will, emotions, and intellect, and you're a spirit. When the Holy Spirit enters your life, when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord, and then you renew your mind with the Word, you can outvote the flesh because it's majority rules. It's majority rules. If your mind votes with your flesh, you're going that way. If your mind votes with your spirit, you're going that way. Romans 8 says, whatever you set your mind on, if you set your mind on the things of the Spirit of God, you're going to go that direction, and you're going to get life and peace. If you set your mind on the flesh, you're going to go that direction, and you're going to get death. Death of all kinds of things. Not just physical death, but death of relationships and issues, attitude, I mean all kinds of stuff. So, man, we have to win this, this battle from within. And once we win that, now we're equipped. We're equipped now to fight for others. God wants Christian warriors that, that win the battle in here and win the battle up here so that we can help others win the battle. That's the second fight. Go with me to 2 Corinthians. Man, I'm preaching. I'm ready to go tonight, man. Satan's been attacking, and this is how you give him a black eye, is you show up for church and praise God. You show up for church, and you read the Word, and you hear the Word, and you receive it with joy. So, uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, where are we at? Chapter 2. Uh, we're going to start reading it in verse 9. It says this. You see, I wrote previously in order to, to see your... See if your hearts would pass the test and if you were willing to follow my counsel and everything. If you freely forgive anyone for anything, then I will always forgive him. And if I have forgiven anything, I did so for you before the face of Christ. So that, so that we would not be exploited by the adversary Satan, for we know his clever schemes. We talked about the battle that we fight uh, internally, now the one we fight externally. He said, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but with spiritual, with spiritual war. And we talked about in Ephesians 6 where it says we need to know the strategies of the devil. Here's one of his main strategies. It tells it right here is to walk in unforgiveness. If he can get you offended and get you walking in unforgiveness, he'll take advantage of you. 
Why? Because unforgiveness builds a wall between us and God. He said in Matthew, if you don't forgive others, I will not forgive you. And if you're not forgiven, you can't stand before God and acquire uh, anything. So in order to receive his forgiveness, you must forgive others, and then that wall comes down, and then you can present your request to God, because if you go to God with walking in unforgiveness, he's only going to deal with you about one thing every time you show up, forgive. He's just going to keep dealing with you on that. He said, as a matter of fact, if you're bringing your offering to the Lord and you've got unforgiveness in your heart towards, towards somebody, leave it there before you present it and go get forgiveness. Why? Because this is New Testament. Because your offering, your offering's not going to produce anything good for you because you're sowing a seed. A financial offering is what he's talking about. He said, you're trying to sow a seed in my kingdom. You want to receive a blessing in return. But if you've got unforgiveness, you better go deal with that so that when you do sow the seed, it will produce the fruit you want. He makes it very clear. We don't forgive, we're unforgiven. If you die and you haven't forgiven somebody and you die and go to and you face God the judge and then he hasn't forgiven you, you're not making it into heaven. You can confess Jesus Christ as Lord from now till the cows come home, whatever that means. It's a good saying, though. Uh, and you can do that all day, all night, for year after year after year after year. But if you don't forgive others the way you've been forgiven, you're not going to make it into heaven. You're not going to make it. Read Matthew. He says, point blank, you will not enter the kingdom. And there, you'll build a wall. Don't let Satan trick you. This is one of his strategies. And get you an unforgiveness towards somebody. What does he say right here? He said, so that, we, so that we would not be exploited by the adversary, Satan, for we know his clever schemes. It's a scheme to get you offended. Well, they didn't talk to me. Oh, here he comes. He's tempting you. He's tempting you to walk in offense. He's tempting you to walk in forgiveness. Well, they didn't remember my name. Tempting you. Tempting you. It could be worse stuff than that. It could be a lot more harmful and hurtful things than those. He'll tempt you to walk in unforgiveness. Well, they hurt me really bad. That's a temptation. That's a scheme to get you to walk in unforgiveness. You know what's, you know what's crazy is most people who hurt others, they walk away. They don't even think about it again. Most people, they don't, they don't care. They don't care. But it leaves you not only hurt, but now you're walking in unforgiveness. Now the, very, the only person that could put your heart back together is Jesus, and now you're separated from Jesus. You have no access to him because you haven't forgiven. You built the wall. God didn't build the wall. You built the wall. We have to let unforgiveness go. We have to let it go completely. Don't fall for the scheme of the enemy. Don't let him trick you in to separating you from God, your only hope and your only help. Amen? We need to be very aware of his strategies. We need to be very aware. And we talked about those things. Then we talked about fighting back. And I referred, to you to, I referred you to Joshua. I'm going to ask him to put Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 up. It says this, Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to, to give them. Stop right there. Don't move that. Let's go and talk about the, the third 
thing about the difference between the world, how the world thinks, and how Christian warriors think. Here, it's found in this verse. The world thinks survival. The Christian warrior thinks bravery. The world just surviving. And they'll compromise and not stand up for anything. Oh, man, they'll do anything and go along with anything, but not the Christian warrior. The Christian warrior listens to the word of God. And when he says, be strong and of good courage, Christian warriors think bravery. I'm going to be brave enough to stand up. I'm going to be brave enough to forgive. I'm going to be brave enough to, to speak out when I need to. I'm going to be brave enough to stand on the values and character that God's called me to. Church family, do you know that ever since I started teaching on holiness, our numbers on Sunday have dropped? Dramatically. Ever since, it could be some other reason, but I'm telling you, on Sundays, our numbers have dropped. Ever since, they were sky, they were going back up. Not, we aren't back where we were before COVID, but they were going back up until I started teaching on holiness. And you know the first thing, when God talks about holiness and getting your life right, he talks about, he always talks about sex, sexual sin. Second thing he talks about is money. And then he goes from there. But, it, man, it seems uh, the numbers, our Sunday numbers have been going down ever since I've been talking about holiness. I think that's really interesting. Because the world thinks survival, go along to get along, but the Christian warrior thinks I'm brave enough to stand. I'm brave enough to say, hey, this, we're not prudes. Uh, we're not pure, pure, prudes when it comes to sexuality. We're just trying to be pure. There's a difference between being prudish and being pure. Big difference. Huge difference. But we need to have the courage to stand up and say, hey, we're, 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 we're not, that's wrong. You know, they're bringing a, uh, uh, somebody's sponsoring in uh, some more transvestites to come and dance in our community because now that's the rave. That's the, big, that's the big cultural thing to do. It's, it, it, on Tucker Carlson the other night, he showed all those things uh, on television and showed children sticking money in their waistbands of these transvestites dancing in front of them like strippers. Little kids, five-year-old kids sticking money in their waistbands and doing stuff. I mean, guys, this is the perversion and sexualization of our children at a level I've never even dreamed would happen in our country that someone wouldn't be arrested, or some parent wouldn't stand up and say, absolutely not, or some parent would say, there's no way I'm bringing my kid to that. But no, the parents brought the children. And they're having one at the Civic Center, I guess, here pretty soon. And guys, we need to pray against that stuff. I know this goes out online, because man, I get comments constantly. And it's okay. You can comment all you want to. I love people enough, and we love people enough at Church on the Move to say, that is sin. We don't need to be supporting it in our community, and I can't believe anybody would attend it to, to watch that. But the people who do, man, guys, they have given themselves over to demonic influences and, and demonic, uh, they want to not only uh, do it themselves, but they want to promote the perversion of their, in their life. And they want to promote it in our city. 
We need to have the bravery to stand up and say it's wrong, it's perverted, it's ungodly, it's evil. It's evil. It's evil. It's not beautiful. It's not pretty. It's none of those other uh, uh, adjectives people want to use. It's not freedom. It's slavery. It's slavery. Satan's enslaving those people, destroying their lives. And we, we have to be brave enough to stand up. That's what I'm talking about. The world thinks I'm just going to get along, you know, go along to get along. I'm just going to survive this thing. But Christians stand up and say, I'm brave enough to say in love, hey, the truth is that's wrong. It's wrong in God's eyes. It's wrong for our society. It's wrong for our city. If I, you know, somewhere along the line, we have to have city council people that are strong enough to say, sue us all you want to, but we're not going to let you use our civic center. We're not going to let you use our state, our city uh, 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 facilities. Oh, it's got to be all equal. No, it doesn't. It's never been equal. They've kicked Christianity out of everything, and they they don't say that's equal. Where's our equality? Well, because it's not about, it's not about, it's not about being equal. It's about God versus Satan. Good versus evil, and we need to be brave enough to say, hey, we're going to stand up and say what God's Word says. Amen? We're going to be brave enough to say it. And I know it's going to hurt people. We've lost people from the church over it. But guys, man, we have to be brave enough to stand in this culture that would, that would encourage people encourage people to serve the enemy and encourage people to go to hell. Man, that, we're not, that's, that's not us. We're not going to encourage them to go to hell and encourage them to do what's wrong. We're going to encourage them to do what's right. We're going to say, hey, you know what? We once were all sinners. We once, probably everyone in this room's committed some form of sexual sin, either mentally or physically. But guess what? God forgave us. God saved us. And he's purifying us. And he can do the same thing for you that he's done for us. But we have to be strong and we have to be courageous. Next verse, verse 7. Thank you. Only be strong and very courageous. You notice God keeps on saying this over and over and over again. Why? Because Joshua is about to lead the children of Israel into a dark place. The promised land was promised by God, but it was a dark place full of people worshiping idols and people that wanted to kill the Jews and giants. and I mean, there's all kinds of stuff happening here. Idol worship of every type, demonic activity of every type. And so they're going to have to be strong and courageous to face not only the physical battle, but the spiritual battle that's about to take place. We need to be strong and courageous. We need to stand our ground when it comes to the things of God and the word of God. He said, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law, all the word which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. God wants us to prosper wherever we go. Why? So that we're a light in the darkness. You know, Some of the other nations, they became afraid of the Jews. And some of them sought God out because they saw God's hand of blessing on them. They saw saw God's light when they were living in darkness. They saw God's light on these people. So we need to believe God that if 
if we're strong and courageous and we obey God's word, that we're going to prosper wherever we go. No matter how bad the world gets, no matter how ugly it gets, we're going to prosper. Because why? Because we're the children of the Most High God, just like they were the children of the Most High God. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, not parts of it, not just the parts you want to do, but all of it. For then, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Man, in order to have that kind of courage and that kind of strength, we have to meditate on the Word of God. And he said, don't let it depart from your mouth. We have to speak it. We have to, we have to speak the Word out. We have to read the Word. We have to meditate on the Word. That means chew it over and over. Just meditate or think about the Word. Speak the Word. Pray the Word. That will build our courage and our strength. And he said, we'll prosper wherever we go. In whatever we do. And he said, we'll make our way prosperous by honoring God's word and doing his word. Not just being hearers, but being doers of the word. This is how we overcome. This is how we overcome the enemy. This is how we overcome the world. The Bible, the, God teaches us, man, we, uh, what do we do? When the world gets eviler and eviler, we do more good. Because we will overcome this world. Why? Because Jesus has already overcome it. He's overcome the world, and he said because he has, he'll make us overcomers. And that when they do evil, we do good. I said when they do evil, we do good. And they watch. They watch the light and the darkness operate. You know, I, I, I don't think I've ever, and I said something about this last week, I don't think I've ever heard so much criticism about us giving finances away to the, to the sheriff's department and others, and, and I don't think I've heard that much criticism ever, and I, I'm hearing it around our community, and I know what it, I've said before what it's all about. It's our, it's our stand on human sexuality because we believe that God's word is true and that human beings can pervert sexuality. They can pervert anything. But God doesn't. He purifies it. And because we're taking that stand, now it doesn't matter what we give to, they're going to criticize. But I, I love what Jesus said. Jesus said, listen, I played, I, I sung the wedding song for you, and you criticized me and said I was a drunkard. He said, I played the funeral flute for you. Otherwise, I mean, I lived down here, and I lived up here. I, I hung out with these people. I went to funerals, and I went to weddings. I slept on the ground, and I slept in, in great, uh, beautiful homes. It, and he said, it didn't matter which one I did. You criticized me no matter what. He said, but wisdom will be known by its children. He ended the whole discussion. He said, wisdom will be known by his children. Look at the fruit of what our church has produced and what your lives have produced. And we'll know what the wisdom of God is based on the fruit. And the fruit of it is, man, we've given to everybody that, that, has, a, that has a viable ministry and that is doing something good in our community. We give, to the, we give hundreds of dollars a month to the, to the kitchen that feeds people. We give money to the, man, we give money everywhere. I can just start going down the list. We sow in every decent work in our community and beyond. You know, they mentioned Christmas. I'm like, golly, is it already Christmas time? Man, we have, we have clothed orphans for over 20 years down in Mexico. Clothed them, blessed them. 
many of them growing up, the only Christmas gift they ever received all their time growing up in the orphanage was from Church on the Move from you. Many of them, that's the only gift they ever received at Christmas for their whole life. When they were 10, 11, 12, 13, 15, till they aged out, till they left. Many of them, your gift was the only gift they ever received. We do angel tree for the children whose parents are in prison. We want them to know they're never forgotten. Man, guys, we do so much and give so much. Let our giving and let the fruit of our giving and the fruit of our courage, the fruit of our bravery, the fruit of our strength speak for itself. Let the lives that have been changed in this room speak for themselves. Let the lives that we've impacted and touched all all around the world speak for themselves. I'm going to point to you, I want to point you to something else. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. You guys all right? Proverbs chapter 4. One of the ways that we continually operate in bravery is that we're focused. Proverbs 4 verses 20, uh, let's see, 21 through 23 says this. It says, fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep in your spirit. Then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention. Everybody say, pay attention. To the welfare of your innermost being. Let me stop right there. Listen, how we operate in bravery is that we pay attention more to our innermost being, what's going in our hearts, what's going in our minds, than we do with the outside. I wish that the same amount of time that you took uh, to get ready, to shave, to shower, to comb your hair, if you, if you put on makeup, you know, brush your teeth, whatever you did was the same amount of time you spent with God just one-on-one today. Because, man, guys, if we pay more attention to what's going on in here, what's going on out here, we start taking care of itself. Because he said, out of what's going on in here, it flows all the issues. How we handle every issue of life uh, uh, is is depended upon what we put in here. Every issue of life, every issue, how we handle every issue is totally dependent on what we put in here. Every relationship, every situation depends on what we put in here. And he said, we should pay more attention to what's going in here than what's going on out here. You know, I've said this before. If you think education costs you, try ignorance. Ignorance will cost you a lot more. It always blows my mind that people will put money into all kinds of things, but they won't put money in going to a marriage uh, seminar when their marriage is struggling. They won't put money into going to a woman's event or a men's event when they're struggling in, with issues or have problems or just want to grow. They'll put money into, the, man, McDonald's is 30 bucks right now. I heard J- Julie ordered the other day for just her and I and Jalen. I think it was 20 28 dots. I mean, it was, I'm like, wow. I mean, people spend more at McDonald's than they do on what's going on in here. 
Guys, let's not be those people. We will not have the courage. We will not have the bravery. We will not have the strength that we need to face circumstances of life if we're not making our greatest investment, what's going on in our hearts and what's going on in our heads. That needs to be our greatest investment. <laughs> buy books. Buy, you know, now they, they'll read them for you. You can buy a book, someone else will read it. They'll read it to you. You can drive down the road and they'll read it to you. You can, you can be anywhere and they'll read you a book. You can take a bath and they'll read you a book. You don't even have to read it. You don't even have to know how to read. Seriously, someone will read it for you. They'll even read the Bible for you. Seriously, they'll read the Bible to you and for you. And some versions have it where they act it out, which if you have never heard that is awesome. They act it out word for word. It's crazy cool. I mean, they'll do, I mean, it's just done, it's so much easier now than it's ever been. We should be investing and investing and investing and focusing and focusing and focusing on what's going in here and what's going in here. And I'm going to say this to parents. Man, you need to pay closer and closer attention to what's going in your, your children's hearts and minds. Oh, man, watch out for them. Protect them from social media. Protect them from even friends and cousins. They might, you might have to even protect them from their older siblings sometimes. I'm telling you right now, this world is sowing so much garbage into the, I mean, and Satan knows he wants to get the hearts and minds of our children. If he gets one generation and convinces them that God does not exist, convinces them that God doesn't love them, convinces them that the world has all the solutions and, and none of the problems, then they'll live for the world. World and they'll live in all the problems. Protect their hearts. Protect their minds. How do you do that? Protect their ears and their eyes, what they hear and what they see. And we need to do that for ourselves. Amen? He said, pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Every issue, everything of life starts what's in here. How you handle trouble starts from in here. If you've prepared if you've prepared your heart to deal with trouble, when trouble comes, you're ready. You're ready. Major issue rises up. You're ready. You've got the Word of God. It just starts coming out. In the name of Jesus, they're healed. In the name of Jesus, this is the deal. I mean, you start speaking the Word and speaking the Word and speaking the Word. It just starts flowing out of you and flowing out of your mouth. When you're prepared... When you're prepared and you're, you're faced with circumstances and issues that's going to require bravery, when you've put, when you've put God's word in your, in your heart and in your mind, and you, I mean, it'll come out of you. I'm going to be strong and I'm going to be courageous. Matter of fact, I'm going to be very strong and very courageous. Why? Because I meditated on the word. Why? Because I put the word of God in my heart. Why? Because I trust my God. Because I trust his word. And I trust his promise. It'll give you bravery. In the face of hard times, in the face of difficulty, in the face of taking tough stands, he'll give you courage. But you got to focus and you have to prepare. Oh, what do we end with tonight? Josh is playing my exit music. Let me see where we're going to end tonight. Hmm. Go back with me to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. 
Chapter 1, verse 11. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. It's where we started this, this evening with. It's what we started with. Oh, Paul is writing to the church of Thessalonica. And he says, he says um, in verse 11, oh no, let's go to verse Uh, let's, let's read verses 3 and 4. He said, We feel a personal responsibility to continually be thanking God for you, our spiritual family. Every time we pray, you know, here we go, prayer. And we have every reason to do so because your faith is growing. Everybody say, my faith, my faith. is growing. He said, marvelously, beyond measure. The unselfish love. Everybody say, let me say it, what you're supposed to say. <laughs> Unselfish love is increasing and overflowing in me. He said the unselfish love each of you share for one another is increasing and overflowing. We point to you as an example of unwavering faith for all the churches of God. We boast about how you continue to demonstrate unflinching endurance through all the persecution and painful trials you are experiencing. Listen, how you grow, how you grow in faith and how you grow in love is through the persecution and the trials. Start talking about going through hard times. Man, it'll either, it'll either defeat you if you let it or it will grow you so strong in your faith and your unflinching, your unflinching faith. You'll get to a place of faith when you when you can handle hard times and thank God and praise God and speak his word and stand on his word through hard times and trust him to do the impossible when it when it there looks like there's no way you believe God and he makes a way your faith will become unflinching you won't flinch anything happens you won't flinch you know when we were kids and our kids still play it now they play the flinch game you know they kind of act like they're going to punch you if you flinch then they get to punch you then it's someone else's turn, you know. Man, you get to a point when you, when you go through hard times and persecutions the way that this church did, their faith became unflinching. Satan would, and they wouldn't, they're just like, I ain't flinching. I'm not afraid of you. There's nothing you can hit me with that can bother me. You've hit me with this, this, and this, and I've overcome it. God saw me through. God helped me get through it. I'm unflinching. My faith is unflinching. And not only that, but your love, an unselfish love will grow in you as well. Let's stand up and be the church that Jesus called us to be. Amen? Let's be those that are brave, not those that are wavering, not those that give up or quit. Let's be those that hang on until God moves. Amen? Listen, every, uh, every eye closed. Online and here, if you don't know the God that does the impossible, man, he wants to show you who he is tonight. He wants to show you who he is tonight. How's he going to do that? If you'll ask him, he'll forgive you. 
If you'll ask him and say, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Receive me into your kingdom. He'll receive you into his kingdom, and he'll send the Holy Spirit to live inside of you, and it will change. It will change your nature, your very nature. That The nature that came from Adam of rebellion will be changed in an instant, and in your heart, your nature will change to one of obedience to God. Does that mean you'll instantly become obedient? No, because... As I talked about earlier, you still have a mind that you have to renew with the Word. But man, on the inside, you'll be different. And you'll know it. I knew it instantly. I knew it the first time I went to a party after I'd accepted Jesus as Lord. I knew. I'm different. I don't want this anymore. This is not me. God will change your identity tonight. From a child of wrath to a child of mercy. From a child of hell to a child of heaven. From someone that's lost and hurting and making bad choice after bad choice to someone who's full of wisdom, who's found, who knows who they are. That you'll understand for the first time the love of God. And you'll know it, you're his daughter. You'll know for a fact you're his son. And he'll begin to clean your life up. He'll begin to change you. And he starts on the inside, then it moves to the outside. And you'll see the love and power of the one true God. If the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you right now saying, hey, this is what you've been looking for. First time I heard a message like this, I said, this is what I've been looking for. I've been looking for a hero, and his name is Jesus. I've been looking for someone to forgive me and help me to do what's right. His name is Jesus. I was looking for someone to change me on the inside. His name is Jesus. Someone to save me. His name is Jesus. From myself, from my own selfishness, my own lust, my own own addictions, my own issues and problems and insecurities and fears. His name is Jesus. And he died for you. But death couldn't hold him down. He rose from the dead and he conquered sin and death. To save your life. But he's not a too big dictator. He won't make you serve him. He offers you the opportunity. It's a gift he wants to give you. Not something he wants to make you take. You get to choose heaven or hell. People blame God for all kinds of things. And man, why'd they go to hell? Why'd this happen? Why'd this happen? Man, most of the time we know exactly why. But it's so much easier to blame God than to blame Satan or to blame a person for making bad choices. Tonight, don't do that. God's trying to save your life. So if you're in here online and you know you've never prayed, you never prayed and accepted Jesus as the Lord, you've never said, 
I believe you laid down your life for me, Jesus. Now I give you my life back. I give you my life for you as you gave your life for me. Teach me how to live for you. If you've never prayed that, never asked God for forgiveness of your sins, listen, this is the moment and this is the time. God will change your life forever. Not for just this life, forever your life will be changed. For all of eternity, your life will be changed. Starting tonight. So if you're online or you're in here and you've never prayed or maybe you've prayed, maybe you've prayed and you're like the son I talked about in Luke 15, you walked away. You walked away from your father's house. You know God loves you. You've tasted his love and his goodness. And tonight you're listening because you want to come home. I want to let you know something. All heaven will rejoice over you coming home. And for those who will pray for the first time, all heaven will rejoice over one that was lost, that is now found, now saved. Lost to what? Lost to Satan, lost to hell, lost to death, lost to this world. Found to what? Found to God. Found to heaven. Found to a life worth living and giving away in this life. That's what you're found to. So if either one of those are you, first time or next time, online, send us a message right now. Please send it. Say, I'm praying for the first time. I'm praying for the next time. In this room, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up high and say, it's me. I'm going to get right with God tonight. And then put your arm down, and we're all going to pray right right where we're at. Here we go. One, two, three. Just raise your hand up and say it's me. I'm going to get right with God tonight all over this room. Thank you all. God bless you. Thank all of you. That's incredible. Let's all pray together. Come on, let's all pray. Let's all pray with these that have raised their hand and those online that are praying with us for the first time tonight or coming home. Say this together. Say, God, I believe you are God and God alone. You sent your son, Jesus to die for our sins because you love us and you wanted to save us from eternal destruction in a life of misery on this earth and give us eternal life and a life worth living on this earth. Thank you for doing that for me. I believe that you're alive, Jesus, and that you are the Lord Jesus Christ. My life is yours as your life you gave to me. And I thank you now that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, lives in me now. And because of that, God, I ask you, to forgive me of all my sins and I receive your full pardon. I'm forgiven and now I thank you. You teach me to live this life to the full until I see you in heaven. In Jesus' name, so be it, amen. Come on, church. Let's thank the God of heaven. Thanks for listening today. 
If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.